This is copyright one, part three. And, and in this capsule, we're gonna look at the last two elements that we just mentioned um, in the previous capsule, and that is fixation and originality. So fixation um, is, um, well, it's not clear what it means, right? That's the point of the section. Um, so um, it's a requirement that something be fixed into um, a medium. And there is no general requirement in the Copyright Act um, of fixation. However, as we said earlier, since copyright law doesn't protect ideas, there kind of is a requirement of fixation, if you call it that or not. Because my ideas are not protected, they're only protected when they're turned into a book, right? Or a CD or whatever it is. Um, and so whether or not we call it a fixation requirement, there kind of is always such a requirement. Um, and as we're told, there are some specific um, sections in the act that do require fixation by name, most notably for um, video uh, work, you know, movies um, generally. Uh, and of course, that leads to all sorts of questions about um, whether that's kind of a different fixation requirement or not. And if, you know, the, the parliament is assumed to have thought this through and use the word for a reason and for them to, to state that there is a specific fixation requirement makes it confusing as to whether um, there can be a general requirement of fixation. But all that is kind of way beyond the scope of our discussion here. Um, and you can kind of assume that there is a fixation requirement um, of some sort for everything because something that is not fixated is often just an idea. And as we said, ideas are not protected. And so we have um, the um, gold case on fixation basically someone famous and then someone takes, you know, pictures of them, records them, and then eventually, you know, creates something out of that and makes uh, money with it. Um, the facts are not all that important um, here. Um, but basically, the, um, the conclusion is um, that in some way, fixation helps us understand um, why helps us understand what is and is not protected. And in the case here, right, the recordings and the photos are not the kinds that are fixated um, generally to make money, right? It's not a song that was recorded specifically to be told. It's just kind of a conversation that was recorded. And it's, that's, even though it's fixated, is not really the kind of thing that is usually um, the subject of protection. Um, and, and so the person um, that, that makes the transcription of the conversation, um, the person that, let's say, they, they transcribe um, the, 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 the discussion um, from, if that person doesn't consent, um, they can't really, you know, contest it, um, at least not directly. And then the second conclusion is, if we take such, um, you know, public discussions and then make something with it, that something can be protected. For instance, um, a book. 
and 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 again we're told that it would be a problem if um, all conversations were um, a subject of protection because that would be too broad and restrictive to what people um, generally can do um, and again we're told that this doesn't really affect um, as, as one party had contended and um, the artistic nature of word because this is not like appropriating someone's you know verbal uh, product um, that is produced for um, for artistic commercial purposes it is simply um, taking their um, conversations um, that were made basically with the expectation that it would eventually make its way or may make its way into the public domain second we get um, this idea of originality in much greater detail and that is a um, statutory requirement right in section 5 of the copyright act which says well copyright exists or subsists in every original literacy dramatic musical and artistic work again the objective is original um, and that is defined um, elsewhere in um, the act um, and this idea of um, originality was taken up by the Supreme Court of Canada in the CCH Canadian Limited versus Law Society of Upper Canada um, case, which we'll just call the LSAC case, Law Society of Upper Canada. Um, basically, um, this library had this tremendous service where you know, instead of you using a, a photocopying machine yourself, they could do it for you and send it to you. Um, and then they did that. Um, and then the issue was, um, again, the facts are not particularly relevant to the, the principles that are stated in the case, especially not in the version you have. Um, the issue was um, basically, what does originality mean? Because what was reproduced was judicial um, decision. And decisions, and then we had um, this this clash of approaches um, between uh, of, of what originality means. The first one being um, this approach from the United States Supreme Court that something has to be new to be original, it has to be like you know groundbreaking stuff that was invented and that was not known before. It's a concept that we have elsewhere in. Um, intellectual property law, most notably in patents, right? To get a patent, which is um, arguably has much stronger protection because it gives you a, a broader monopoly um, and, and for a longer period of time, generally speaking, um, you have to have invented something that is new, right? Um, that's the approach from the United States Supreme Court. Second approach is, well, it's all about the work you put into making something. So as long as you put some work into making something, even if it's not new, what matters is you put some work into it. And then the Supreme Court says, well, these two things are both wrong. Um, and it kind of is um, a combination of the two, right? So the work you put into it matters, but not in and of itself. And it has to be new, but not really that new. And that's illustrated later on um, in the case, that's the standard that's defined um, by the Supreme Court, essentially, you know, sui generis, brand new uh, in that case. Um, the court uses um, various 
methods to come to that, um, to that conclusion. What's important before we move on though, is that um, the, uh, when we're talking about, you know, the, the, the original aspect of it, the creative aspect of it, we're, we're talking about, um, and this is a distinction that is hard to make sometimes, I admit, but we're talking about the original aspect of the work. Right, so not the original aspect of the idea is expressed in the work because again, I've, I've repeated it on and on, ideas are not the subject of copyright protection. So it's really the um, making of the work, um, the work itself, which has to be uh, original. Um, and so um, once the court makes that um, distinction, we have some, um, an, an interesting example is applied to the facts of the case, which are judicial decisions. And we have basically ver various sections of a judicial decision, which I will explain in case you have not encountered them in your um, academic career. Uh, and so we have a head note, right, which basically, um, you know, summarizes um, the case, usually with like, you know, mention of the important principles, labels, and then dashes. Um, then we have the case summary, which is the summary of the case. Um, and then we have the topical index, which is basically, you know, putting the um, decision under the right, you know, fields or areas of law um, and concepts. And then we have the decision itself. Of course, you know, coming up with the decision, that, that and, and writing it down, right, um, leads to um, a work that is copyrightable for the judge or, you know, whoever, um, in that case, the law says, holds a copyright um, for the judge or signs it or whatever. Um, th this, the activity itself of creating the decision um, creates a work that is copyrightable. Then the court says, well, everything else also is copyrightable. So the headnote is original enough. And this gets back to this standard of originality, which we said, you know, the, the court essentially defined in that case saying it has to be original, but not that original. That's as best as I can express it. Um, and the court, um, you know, use this, uses this as an example. So the headnote, obviously you take stuff that's in the case, but you arrange it differently for people to find the case. Well, that, the court says, is original enough. And even uh, perhaps more surprising, the court says, well, the summary of the case is also original enough because someone had to decide, you know, what to include, what not to include, what was important, what was not important. And that is enough of um, an, an effort yielding um, an original work for the work to be protected. And then the court says essentially what I just said about um, the, the, the topical index as well. The, the skill and effort to categorize stuff also has um, enough of an original aspect to it to trigger the protection. Regarding the decision itself, the court says basically what I said before, the, the judge or the person creating the work has created a work that is copyrightable, that is true. But the, the reporter, right, the company that takes the case and publishes it, you know, that's how it used to be and to a large extent still is, right? Um, we have reporters and so the court, 
you know, renders a decision. And then someone puts all these decisions together, which are usually freely available, um, and then puts page numbers on them and then, you know, proceeds to sell this stuff. Um, and the court says, well, the decision itself is copyrightable for the person that makes it, right? But the fact of arranging the decision into a reporter is not original enough. So putting the page numbers on it is not um, original enough um, to trigger the protection for the person arranging the work.